David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And David Locke joins us now. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hope you're doing all right. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all the Locks, too. PK, what is up? Me, and I'm ready to go after listening to Donovan Mitchell. I'm fired up for the start of this season. Well, the untalked about Utah Jazz, Zach Lowe wrote like 12,000 words on the Western Conference, and all it said was Utah is rock solid. The only word you mentioned, the ringer put out like 50,000 words on Best signings, worst signings, unsung signings, not a single mention of the Utah Jazz. So the untalked about Utah Jazz, how much better are they? Please answer your own question, David. How much better are they? I want to know what you think. How much better are they? They're better defensively. Uh, Favors will help with that. The question is the offensive limitations that we see when he's on the floor with Rudy Gobert. Well, two things. One, the offensive limitations we see are are still going to be there. Will they be mitigated by the fact that uh, uh, Donovan's a better player than he was last time? Um, They've upgraded uh, from Ricky Rubio to Mike Conley, so offensively that's a big upgrade there. They've added Bogdanovich instead of uh, Jake Crowder minutes. So maybe those three will have a bigger impact um, when Favors is on the floor. And then Favors recently with comments, he doesn't expect to play 30 to 35 minutes a night. He thinks he's going to be down around 24, 25, which given the fact he's backing up Gobert, that's only probably about 12 minutes a game with he and Gobert on the, on the floor together. So there's less of that. So I think there's, there's some help there. I think the biggest help is going to be that Clarkson should be on the team when Conley and Bogdanovich are healthy at the same time. We really didn't see much of those three together. So that's another chance for them to improve. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about that last one. There's a lot of firepower in that opening eight guys. And so there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching of lineups, and you should be able to really put out 48 minutes of solid lineups the, the whole time. I'm wondering how much they, DJ just said 12 minutes of Gobert and Favors together. I hadn't considered that they would be out on the floor for an entire quarter's worth of time. Is that the way you see it? Well, I don't think you're taking Rudy under 34. So Rudy averaged 34 last year, which means, you know, some nights it's 36 and some nights on the blowout it's 30. So, you know, if someone averaged 34, he's probably built to play 35 or 36 on, a, you know, on most nights. Um, I don't see us taking that number down much unless Rudy's got a fatigue issue, but he doesn't. He's an elite-level athlete. He's the best defensive player in the world. I can't, can't imagine any scenario where it's advantageous to bring him down minutes. So that leaves Derek with you know, 12 to 14 minutes as the backup center, and I heard the same thing in Derek's press conference. I don't care if I start or come off the bench, and I only expect to play 20 to 24 minutes. So if that's what Derek's expecting, said and what he's expecting then the, the math leads to about 10 to 12 minutes of the two of them together that that was positive in the past it was just positive because it was so elite defensively it was incredible defensively and offensively it struggled I don't know where I don't know how they do that does Derek have to start if that's the case do you try to have those minutes together be in bench units now instead of 
again, second team in some way. When everyone else is getting smaller, you actually get bigger. Um, but I don't think, you know, I don't think that 12, 14 minutes for $9 million is maybe that's, maybe that's what Derek's going to do. But I, I would suspect, you know, he played 24 last year and averaged 10 and nine. He's, he was still pretty good. So he's good, right? Like that's, that's the issue with Derek. Derek's really good. He's pretty good to only play 14 minutes a night. So you, there's going to be an, an urgency to play him more than that. And I certainly wouldn't want to be dropping Rudy's minutes in. So as much as we can sit here and say, hey, it's about the whole team, and it is because when the star gets double teamed, you know, the other guys have to be able to make plays. But there's a lot of NBA playoff series where you can look and say, who has the best player? That team's winning the series. It doesn't always hold, but it holds a lot. And, of course, LeBron James has been the best player in the league for about a decade, and the way the Warriors took him down was their three best players. They were so much better at the second and third spots, that if there wasn't a lot of difference at the top spot, they were so much better at the second and third spot, they could beat Cleveland in a playoff series uh, when LeBron was in Cleveland. So I guess the question for the Jazz and every other team in the West is your, how close is your star player to LeBron James? When LeBron gets hurt and goes off the court, the Lakers are out of the playoffs. How good is LeBron and how close is your star player to LeBron? And that will tell us a lot about playoff series. Yes, yeah. no, maybe. What do you think? Probably how close are your two best, or even to your three best, are to LeBron, Anthony Davis, and whomever you determine their third best player. Like, it just doesn't matter. Um, they're so good, right? LeBron and Anthony Davis are so good. They're so long again, though they're smaller with shooter on the floor than they were. But um, no, they're really good. Like, and depending, I don't know when we'll see how good they are because they're going to probably be managing some minutes in that group so it's probably going to be hard to tell how good they how good they truly are uh but they that team feels like it's really good and i think the clippers are really good again you know it's obviously they didn't react well to bubble and maybe a lot of those issues will show up but the surge of baca signing to me moved them from having a catastrophic offseason to having a great offseason in one move i, I like them better with surge Ibaka than montrez harrell um I think I like Luke Kennard. I think lessening Lou Williams' role is good for the Clippers. Luke Kennard's got bad knees, so we got to figure out whether he can stay healthy. But I like what the Clippers did, so I think they're they're really good too. And um, obviously, no one's sure on the Rockets. You know, the Rockets one star is as good as as a lot of other people's star, and Denver's one star is is pretty fabulous. So um, those teams obviously have maybe why you know I open it up with how little the Jazz are being talked about. I think the issue for the Jazz is. You know, what is Donovan's next step? He's always been a great scorer, and he's always been electric. He's not always been efficient. He got much more efficient in the bubble. And, you know, talking to him today, he said off-the-bounce dribble three was the game-changer for him. And we've kind of – I think that's true. The other one, though, I do think is true is, as much as everybody wants him to be the point guard, is how do you get him two or three more catch-and-shoot threes a game? He's an elite-level catch-and-shoot guy, one of the five or six best in the league statistically, if I remember correctly. And how how do we get more catch-and-shoot for Donovan than we have in the past? Uh, he's he's that great a shooter, and it's it's contrary to what everyone else is talking about, but I think that's that's a key thing for his efficiency. My eyes tell me when Favors would roll to the basket, the best facilitator for him individually was Joe Ingles. Do you think that we see those two out on the floor together 
a lot because of what I just said? So, um, yes, the numbers actually don't totally tell that story. My memory is correct. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I remember last year prepping for the season and being surprised that the Ingles go bear pick and roll was actually better than the Ingles favors pick and roll. And when I dug into it, and this is, I have not re-looked at this for 12 months, or now probably 16 months, so give me a little leeway to be slightly off. Part of it was that that combination rarely got the ball out to three-point shooters. Now, one of the big changes in Joe's game last year is that Joe, coming off the pick-and-roll, started passing out to shooters more than he had. And with his length, he should be able to do that. Um, But two years ago, Joe's pick-and-roll had very few shots to three-point shooters off the pick-and-roll action. Um, and, and so it wasn't – it was, you know, pretty fancy between the two of them. But from a team standpoint, it was not always yielding as many oppor- uh, shots per – points per possession as some other combinations that we had. But Joe got better at that last year, continuing to improve. Um, and at six seven, he's got the length to make those passes. So I would suspect we begin to see that. Or maybe – Part of it is that, you know, he's got better shooters around him last year, and so those passes were, you know, more willing to make those passes than he was prior. So is what Donovan Mitchell did in the bubble sustainable? I mean, he had a four-month offseason. Now he's had basically a two-month offseason. So I'm not expecting a lot of improvement and new stuff added to his game. If that's there... So be it, and everyone rejoice and enjoy it. But I'm not really expecting it. And the way he referred to it, I mean, he almost said my fourth year. Well, no, I mean the bubble. So he, I think, kind of almost felt like it was an off season. You know, kind of a Freudian slip in the way he was speaking there. Kind of really shows the way he was he was viewing it. So I guess the question isn't did he get better. The question is when you're shooting 51 percent from the floor and uh, about 53 percent from the three point arc. Can you sustain that over a season? Is that the new normal for Donovan, or is that two hot weeks off the charts, influenced by lack of travel, no crowds? So I think it has to be the latter, or else he's going to be the greatest offensive player in the history of the game. So, you know, no one's ever shot 50, 50, 50 uh, as a guard in this league. I, I don't think that that's the level he's going to. He is a pretty natural shooter, so I do think that some of those numbers can improve. Uh, and to the point of his slip, Kevin Pelton of ESPN did some interesting research where he actually looked at players' trajectory by months of their career rather than by years. Like, we make this arbitrary stop at the end of the first, second, third you know, year and then talk about their development. And because of the uniqueness of the calendar with the bubble, we didn't have that this for the first time ever. And so he just looked at, you know, suddenly Donovan Mitchell was in his 39th month of his career and it was actually kind of, and Jamal Murray was in his 50th month of his career. And that was actually a little bit of the natural progression that they would be taking at that point. We had just never seen that timing before. So Donovan's correct in the sense that, you know, he was in his fourth year, but really what he was in was in his 39th month or whatever it is. And, and so you're, you saw them progress just in a time period, which we don't usually see players play, but we, have always just put this arbitrary stop when the season stops. They're continuing to prove mature physically and mentally throughout that process. But no, there's no way Donovan can average 50-50. He said it well, though. It's his off-the-bounce three number, which has improved a little bit. Um, I think he, you know, there are very few shooters in the league that are off-the-bounce above 36%. If he can get above 36% on his off-the-bounce, he gets pretty unguardable. But I'll say it again. 
I want him getting more catch-and-shoot threes somehow. How are we getting Donovan Mitchell catch-and-shoot threes? He's one of the best in the league at it. It's a higher percentage shot. That, to me, is the shot that has to be added. Now, is that because Mike Conley is getting it to him? Is it because Joe Ingles is getting it to him off the pick-and-roll? I don't know how we're doing it, but that's that should be a major focus of, of what we're looking to get done is, is give Donovan two or three more catch-and-shoot threes a game. That's a lot. So, you know, it's one a quarter, basically, if, if when he's out there. So, um, But that would be an area where I would have huge focus. If Gobert and Mitchell – or not Mitchell, Gobert and uh, Favors play together or whatever, just go with that 12 minutes for the sake of discussion, what does that mean for Bogdanovich? Last year, Bogdanovich mirrored all of Rudy's minutes. Um, I think for defensive purposes um, – and I, I would think he does the same, um, but it does mean he's playing some small forward. Is that a, is that a problem? I don't think so. I don't know. We're, he's not a good rebounder, so maybe having him as a power forward offensively is great and defensively is bad. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, I think there might be an argument that you want Bob Donovich on the floor with Mike and Donovan, so he doesn't have quite the same burden as um, with some of the pick and roll stuff, where his turnover rate was pretty high. On the other, the negative side of that would be, you know, is he going to get open looks if Derek Favors is on the floor and they're not guarding Favors, and so therefore they are hugging Bogdanovich while not guarding Favors? Does he suddenly not get any open looks? Bogdanovich is one of. I think it was about 12 players in the league last year who took over five threes a game and shot over 40%. Um, he's got an opportunity to be a Davis Bertans, Duncan Robinson, six foot seven, six foot eight guy who's taking eight or nine threes a game. He's able to get them off well guarded. So that you, you might, you might be able to still get him looks because of his unique ability. Um, I'm not sure if that that'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I don't, we're taking favors comment and, how good Derek is and Rudy's minutes. And I like our logic. Um, you know, it might be less. It might be that Derek's playing 20 minutes a night and then he's, or, you know, maybe Derek's just coming off the bench and he's not to start the year playing any power forward minutes with Rudy. Um, we'll see. And just playing backup center. I don't, I don't know. It's, it, it is a little tricky. Are you surprised that favors is back on that number? Cause I'm not surprised he's back. Because I think they know there's some things he brings, and he's got obviously a level of comfort being here. But I always thought he was going to get more money, and that usually determines whether a guy returns or not. Why would you come here for this when you could go get 15 million somewhere else? Maybe the market's just so funky right now; he wasn't going to get 15 million. Um, I don't. But I don't think he had. I don't think he had more money from his press conference that he held with us the other day. I deduced he did not have another. He did not have an offer larger than the mid-level. Mm, okay. New Orleans, he said in the co- press conference that New Orleans told him they were going in a different direction, so they must have known they had the Stephen Adams deal done. Um, and then you only had four teams with cap money. Yeah. Atlanta's got Capella and Okongu, and we saw how they were spending. New York didn't spend, so he could have gone to New York um, on some number probably. Miami wasn't. By, has BAM, and they weren't spending it on a center for more than a year. They weren't signing anyone for more than a year. That's why they lost Jay Crowder. And Charlotte used their money on Gordon. Um, 
So I don't know that, that Derek had from, I might be wrong. I haven't talked to his agent, but deducing from what Derek said in his press conference, I don't know that Derek had a bigger offer and centers other than Mason Plumley didn't get much bigger offers out there. Maybe Mason, maybe Derek could have taken the Mason Plumley spot. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much of the NBA folk knew that Derek wanted to come back to Utah. So there wasn't much interest because why bother if he has his heart set in on returning? Um, he had his heart set on returning. That was clear. Yeah, I don't know how well the league knew it. Well, David, we will let you go now. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. A pleasure, my friends, and I will talk to you soon. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Bullfrog Spas. Bullfrog Spas has unheard of Black Friday pricing. Custom order the Bullfrog Spa of your dreams and save up to $6,000 off of MSRP on the popular A-Series models. If you want a hot tub sooner, there's a limited number of inventory spas available today only, Friday, November 27th. Visit the Bullfrog factory stores in Salt Lake, Orm, Harriman, North Ogden, Layton, Springville, Logan, and Bluffdale. Those uh, limited number of inventory spas, they will go fast. First come, first serve at the Bullfrog Factory Store near you. DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show, coming up next. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Derek Favors with us. Derek, I'm sure you noticed jazz fans are pretty excited about having you back with the team. How does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel great, honestly. I think the Jazz or Utah in general has one of the most loyal, diehard fan bases in basketball and sports or whatever. When I was with the Pelicans after I left, man, they just kept sending me messages and just telling me how much they appreciated me and how much they loved me and how much they wished me the best and they were watching all the games that I was playing in and they couldn't wait for me to come back and play in Utah. And they showed a lot of love and that meant a lot to me when I was making my decision. I'm very appreciative and very blessed to be able to play in front of them again. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by America First Credit Union. Football Fridays on the Zone Sports Network and coverage of the Raiders game against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. All right, PK, while we uh, recap the show, we also have some new stuff to throw out there, and this is the NFL cousin uh, to the Utes. Uh, last week in the post-game show, Kyle Winningham said, well, now I hope to find out in another day or so uh, who we're playing, which was Kyle for, I know I'm not playing Arizona State, but I don't want to say it, but I know how this is going. And now we got Mike Tomlin Canceling practice is not up him to cut, not up to him to call off an NFL game, and he's not going to do that for the same reason Kyle wasn't going to blurt out stuff about ASU. But NFL coaches don't cancel practice unless they know something's up, and in this case, something is not up. And Mike knows that they're not playing the Ravens on Sunday because otherwise he would have never canceled this practice. Well, I'm up, and I got up early this morning, and I'm grateful to be able to do that. So let's get that out of the way. But yeah. It looks like this is an issue, and I thought you brought it up earlier with, I think it was Lincoln, you know, before they had the buys to work with. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten past the buys as we head into December. And right now, well, what's that for the Ravens? Quarterback McSorley. And their second teamer then would be Tyler Huntley uh, because he's on the practice squad. I assume they would elevate them, but him. But if they're not even going to play, then I guess it doesn't matter. And sure, yeah, I was listening to uh, – uh, you, you texted me about uh, Bobby Hurley the other night, and I flicked on the mm-hmm. game, 
and they were talking to him. I forget uh, Billis and whoever else was announcing it, and they were talking about how Hurley fully expects for college basketball to be down a week or two. <laughs> so it's just the situation in which we live, but still press on. And so NFL's done a pretty good job of being able to press on, and maybe this not this time it's going to bite them. Uh, the NFL has two options. Well, I guess they have three options. One, they just hold the playoffs as is, and if teams play 14, 15, or 16 games, then so be it. They did put a rule change in where they said that uh, they would add an eighth playoff team if teams don't play the same number of games. Right. So they have that option right. if teams end up on you know, some on 14, some on 15, some on 16 games. And then the third option is they do have that week. They've canceled the Pro Bowl. They got a week before the Super Bowl. They could slide the playoffs back, and they could play a Week 18 to make up games that are missed. That presumably would be the only way to make up this Ravens-Steelers game if Tomlin is right when he cancels practice that so that means they're not going to play it. And there may be some other games to put on that week. Um, and then, of course, they could do a combination of that. They could have a Week 18 and still let in an eighth team, you know, so some combination of those going forward. Um, and then to your second point about uh, basketball, there are uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff about basketball. The precautions teams are taking. So Gonzaga, uh, I've seen reports, I think it's Jeff Goodman who is putting it out there, that Gonzaga has a couple of reserves who've tested positive, and they have been traveling. Basically, they've broken their teams into two halves, and the halves travel separate. So if there's contact tracing, they presumably still have a team. Now, you could say it wouldn't really be their team. They'd be missing too many guys, but Tim LaCombe, former Utah and BYU basketball staffer who uh, does jazz pre-half and post. He's on Jazz Draft Night. He comes on our show. Uh, he's been watching Gonzaga and tweeting out how impressed he is with them, how awesome they are. It's just uh, Jalen Suggs, who is their elite recruit. Um, and he, uh, he's got Jalen Suggs and then the eyeballs you know, with the wide-open eyes, like, wow. So uh, he just saw something from Jalen Suggs. Uh, and then he says, on what planet are Aaron Cook and Andrew Nemhard your backup guards? The Zag team is ridiculous. So I guess they split a ridiculous roster in half, and they have a good team on each bus and a good team on each flight. And if half has to be sidelined, they'll keep going with the other half, apparently. Yeah, I think there's two role players they're saying that are yeah. not going to play today. So are you up for May Madness if they have to bump that tournament back? Better to bump it back than to not play it? Uh, it depends on what, what circumstance. Uh, to, uh, I, I'm not for extending the college football season much longer because I think it's been so jacked up already. Well, why, why force these kids to go through any more than they need to? So I'd have to see when we got there. I can't say right now. How is it going to be? Who, know, who knows what the world is going to look like in March, April, and May. So I'm going to withhold judgment on that. I feel like football, just play it. Crown it if you can. If you can't, so be it. But get it over with. Football today, Iowa State and Texas. Iowa State trying to win a conference title for the first time since 1912. They're ranked 13th. Texas is ranked 17th. That's on, te- on uh, ABC coming up in about 25 minutes. Uh, Stanford Cal on Fox at 2.30 in Oregon, Oregon State. 5.30 on ESPN. You're throwing in the towel. You don't care about any of this. You're going to do puzzles all afternoon and not watch football. I never said that. Okay. (laughs) I said how it relates to the conference race. At the end of the day, if I have to hear that one more time, (laughs) at the end of the day, uh, it 
it's not a legitimate conference race in the Pac-12. That's what I've said. But the games are still fun. When the ball is hiked, it feels like it's real football. All the circumstances around it are not. When I say it is real football, but I'm talking about the usual circumstances of who's able to practice, who isn't, how much time have they had. All this stuff has created everything to be jacked up in the Pac-12. They screwed up by waiting so long. Everybody pretty much agrees with that. Larry Scott will defend it because he's become the minister of Iraqi information and trying to put forth a good spin. Why? Because follow the money. He's trying to keep his job. It's always and always will be follow the money. And so he's trying to present a positive situation so he can keep his gig i get that i would do the same thing if i were in his position but as far as legitimacy of a conference race it's not there but when the ball is hiked tomorrow at 5 30 for the utes my butt will be planted firmly in front of the television now what is unusual is normally in the past several years my butt would have been firmly planted in the press box in up in Seattle like it was last year for that huge game that they played and it was a real fun game for the Utes as they won that thing but as far as the conference race it's all bogus but yeah I'll, any I can watch any Pac-12 game at any time in football and most any Pac-12 game anytime in basketball Colorado San Diego State has been scheduled USC can't go they've got COVID issues so the Colorado USC game is off San Diego State Already had the game with Fresno State called off. Uh, that was a full week in advance. They've been waiting for something like this. So Colorado will host San Diego State, and Carl Durrell will try to pick up another win and get his team to 3-0 and and build some momentum in the program and impress some recruits. Other than that, can anything be accomplished from that? Young players will improve, and recruits, and recruits will be impressed. I think that you're just out there trying to play, and recruits, people are going to go where they can play. And so that, that's the bottom line. And the best players get to choose the best schools because they'll probably get to play anywhere because they're just that good. Kayvon uh, Thibodeau for Oregon could go anywhere. And so he's that good, number five, the defensive end. And so the recruiting stuff, it'll take care of itself. I, I, I don't know that one game or anything has any measurable impact. It's a long, slow process. And guys want to play. So if you have an opportunity to play, that's why Jalen Johnson blew off Oklahoma and SC and chose Utah because he knew he could play immediately and good for him. So I think that's where they, that's what uh, drives recruiting decisions is where you have the best chance to get out on the field that you think. So for the Buffs, yeah, for them to go three and zero, and they'll they'll act like it's the most legitimate season ever if they can go three and zero. Right, because look at us. The last time they when they when they've been three and zero, and it didn't matter that uh, uh, it just doesn't matter. Three and zero, fine, sell it, sell it like yeah, as much as you can. I think the big thing for me is I'm looking forward to the turn of San Diego State being added late by Colorado. That's that's nice that you can do that, uh, and I'm real intrigued to see who the Cougars get because the Cougars have got to get somebody this next week. We didn't really hit that this morning, but they've got to get somebody. That's apparent. If you want a New Year's Day six bowl, then you better add somebody, and whoever you can get is uh, up to whatever the circumstances dictate, but they've got to add somebody, and that's going to be fun to, to follow that.
Utah State won their first game of the season. They beat New Mexico 41-27. Sophomore quarterback Andrew Peasley got his first start. Aggies get the win in the battle of 0-4 teams. Now that they've got a win, can they make it two in a row against Air Force next week? But it'll be way more fun to go to practice now that they have a W and aren't staring in an 0-for season, even an 0-for shortened yeah, season. I, oh, yeah. I think the kids showed some stuff, man. It's in Mexico. I get it. They're the dregs of the conference. They have been for a while. And they've got an entirely new coaching staff, so they're going to need some time there. But we've spoke about this many, many times. There's zero recruiting base in the state of New Mexico, so it's so hard to get players. But I, I like the way this kid looked at quarterback. You know, a little little Taysom Hill thing going on that run there. He jumped over the guy who was on the ground. It's not the same thing as leaping over tall buildings uh, and keeping your as you're running the high hurdles as Taysom would did, but. He, he showed something. He looked alive. And you're just looking for any scrap. And he gave them he gave them some scrap. I mean, right? And McGriff, the crime dog, uh, receiving. And I like the way they ran the ball. Now, it's against New Mexico, but, man, they sucked in the other games. They yeah. just were awful. I wonder how much of this is psychological and they've gotten past the turmoil, the – the coach going and the COVID stuff and then different players bailing out. I mean, from the start of the season, they've lost the guy who was the starting quarterback. Uh, they've lost the guy who's the top receiver. It looks like Jalen Warren – Yak, have you seen Jalen Warren in the transfer portal? It seems like that's where it's going. Yeah, he is going to be in the portal soon. It yeah, sounds he like. didn't play. He didn't play last night, but they were able to run the ball without him so, earlier this year. They couldn't. It just seemed like, and, and you're right. I mean, level of competition is absolutely a factor. Would make for four starters entering the portal in the last two but weeks. Sloppy mistakes, minimized. Uh, they played hard. They ran the ball, and that seems like basic stuff. But I don't think anybody who watched the game in Reno in the third quarter when they were playing Nevada, did you see any of that? Because I don't think you did, you know, and you did see it last night. So I, psychologically, you know, you're a freshman or a sophomore, and it's like, hey, I got a chance to play, and those guys were fired up. At least you know you're not that bad. Right, exactly. Like nothing else. You've established a floor, and now go from there. <laughs> Was it Jeff Fun calling the game? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, a lot of touchdowns, and, you know, the good guys won and all that stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, if it Good. now if they'd been getting dragged up and down the field like they did in some of the earlier games, that that wouldn't have been mm. as much fun. You know, that's brutal. Yeah, Scotty G was not happy that he's gone to South Dakota and the basketball team has lost twice. He's like, you just called the only win of the season. I got that text from him in the third quarter. Well, yeah, the the game last night. My gosh, they looked really bad. Yeah, yeah, I think he was feeling it. I mean, VCU wasn't near as bad uh, the second half. I, if I remember, the last ten minutes, it got away the from them. They were they were ahead yeah. with ten minutes to go in the second half. They're up by, I think right. they hit a three to go up by seven with ten or eleven minutes to go, and everybody's all yeah. sorts of fired up. And then they gave up an eighteen zero run. <laughs> so, but last night, man, they they looked bad. Yeah. They got blown out. They got blown out uh, by South Dakota State. They lost eighty three to fifty nine. And BYU blew out New Orleans last night, 86-61. They're up 14 at the half. They won by 25. They played most, if not all, of the roster. Um, So they're getting what football didn't get, and they're getting a chance to ease into the season there. Uh, Most football teams had to jump straight into conference play, but basketball's getting non-conference games. Yeah, which is funny because in basketball, it doesn't really matter because everything is settled out on the court with conference tournaments and NCAA tournament. And so – they're getting warm-ups when it doesn't really matter. 
but they'll be tested down the line, and it'll, I'm just hoping they can have as much of a season as possible and, and see where they're at. A bunch of new guys, and Mark Pope is so freaking infectious, man, with that personality. i got to give it to the guy. And the Washington football team leads the NFC East. Alex Smith leading Washington past Dallas, 41-16. They've won two in a row. They've won three out of five. Now two of those three wins are against Dallas, so... Uh, but they are they are in first place in the NFC East. They get to six. Certainly, if they get to seven wins, I think they win the division. But I think they can win the division sitting on six wins. Uh, you like you think the Giants have a shot here? I do. Yeah. Uh, Dallas has a shot based on <laughs> schedule, but not on anything we've seen on the field. They're playing bad teams, but they may lose. Uh, yeah, whoever wins, he's going to get to host a playoff game, which I think is ridiculous. I agree. They need to change that rule. I mean, that's just an embarrassment. Hard to imagine a division. The NFC East, my division that I grew up with, is this bad. All right, that's a lot of what's going on all around sports. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Bullfrog Spas. Bullfrog Spas has unheard of Black Friday pricing. Custom order the Bullfrog Spa of your dreams and save up to $6,000 off of MSRP on the popular A-Series models. If you want a hot tub sooner, there's a limited number of inventory spas available. Today only, Friday, November 27th. They're sure to go fast. Visit the Bullfrog factory stores in Salt Lake, Orem, Harriman, North Ogden, Layton, Springville, Logan, and Bluffdale. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK brought to you by Bullfrog Spas. Unheard of Black Friday pricing. Custom order the Bullfrog Spa of your dreams. Save up to $6,000 off of MSRP on the popular A-Series models. If you want a hot tub sooner, there's a limited number of inventory spas available today only, but they're sure to go fast. Visit the Bullfrog factory stores in Salt Lake, Orm, Harriman, North Ogden, Layton, Springville, Logan, and Bluffdale. Time for your feedback, everything you've got to say about today's show. Um, We've been talking about uh, college football and the shortened season, and now Utah and Washington with cancellations and scheduling each other on the fly, playing on Saturday. At this point, how much do you care? And Nelly says, I care. At least we get to see a real football team play a real football team. I am excited. That was a shot That's from a Nelly. Shot at BYU. That is a shot. Nelly, Nelly, Nelly. Come <laughs> on. That's not nice in the holiday season. Holly's got a shirt wearing red and her husband's got a shirt wearing blue. I don't know if I should read into that or not, but that could be something to read into right there. Alan says personally, I've lost all interest in college football this year. Alan has gone beyond you. He has lost all interest. You have maintained some interest, at least in the moment, to see who can play, who's got an up-and-coming player, who's taken off and is uh, right. really good and is probably going to go to the NFL. Yes, on both accounts. Yeah. Michael is happy to watch Utah football, regardless of the opponent. Considering how this year has gone, it's about the little things. He's happy to have a U game in front of I believe of in that. I believe that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a holiday weekend, and you know you're sitting around. Maybe you can have some family over and social distance, and have an opportunity to watch your team play. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not like last year when they went up to Washington last year and played that ball game. I think it was the first week in November. It was obviously just gigantic, and it was a huge win at the time. So this won't have that same deal. But play, play well. It's all about if your team plays well. I don't see why you don't take some form 
of positivity from it going forward. I don't know what's going to happen next week and the subsequent weeks, but next year if we can get back to normal, you know, get some opportunities out there because they've got so many young dudes out there to experience more playing time, particularly in that secondary. And if everybody comes back next year, you know, you'd think you'd be that much better. So if you want to go that way or if you just want to say, hey, it's my team, they're playing a game, and there's been so few games being played in this conference. So many of them have been canceled. I mean, look at Utah, the last D1 team to play. you got the Sun Devils. No team has lost more games than these guys, and your team is playing. Have some fun with it just for the sake of the fun with it. It doesn't mean it has any implications as far as, oh, we're going to go to the Rose Bowl, and I know the Rose Bowl is a playoff this year, but I'm just speaking generally. But to have an opportunity just to play, isn't that, in, in the world that we live, isn't that not good enough? For me, the answer is yes, it's good enough. I'm with you on the secondary. I think I'm with you. I'm also, you're probably with me on I want to see them sort out the running back, and I'd like to see more from Ty Jordan. Kyle Winningham said after the last game, I thought we went away from him in the second half, and he was giving us something, so we need to see what we got there. And absolutely, sort that out. Sorting out the quarterback, of course, it was a big deal, and now we're not going to see uh, Cam Rising improve because he's hurt and he's out for the year. We can see what Jake Bentley will do, but we don't know if he'll be back. Maybe he will be. And if he's back, we don't know if he'll be the starter or if it would be Rising again. So there's all those questions out there. But certainly sorting out the running back is a priority. They played four guys, and I think ideally you're going to get that down to either uh, you either have a star back like Zach or Zach Moss, or you have two backs and you figure out, okay, you know, this is a lead guy and he gets 70 or 80% of the carries, and here's the backup change of pace guy who gets 20 to 30% of the carries. The, the running back by committee with four guys says, you're still sorting it out. Yep. Must be sorted out. All right, DJ and PK, we're all done. Hans and Scotty are coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.